Hey guys, welcome to Turn Em Loose, a podcast about bird dogs and bird hunting. Uh, before we get started, I just want to remind you to go ahead and like it and subscribe and share. Uh, if you subscribe, then you'll be able to get the new episodes as they come out and you won't have to go searching. Well, let's get right to it. Hey guys, I'm excited to be working with a new sponsor. It's Electronic Shooters Protection, or ESP for short. Their website is ESPAmerica.com. And they supply custom earplugs for for, uh, shooters, shooting. So that'll, uh, it's just right up our alley as bird hunters. Uh, We've got, uh, a lot of us have hearing damage from just throughout the years, and also from our jobs outside of bird hunting, I guess. Mine was a pilot, and I was around jets all my life, and and I think that probably contributed to some of the problems I'm having today. I just had a ear test done or a hearing test done. And a uh, dog came out and said, you know, I'm surprised you can function. Everything's out of the normal range. And I said, what? So, yeah, apparently I got some hearing problems. But these custom earpieces that you get back from ESP, uh, of course, are custom fit for all-day comfort. But they block out uh, the noises like gunfire and... Uh, that cause noise-induced hearing loss, but you'll be able to hear sounds that give you an advantage in the field. For example, birds flushing. And I laughed because I was in a field trial the other day, and a bird flushed up at my feet uh, underneath my right ear, unfortunately. And the only reason I knew it left is because my bird dog (laughs) went after it. Uh, Luckily, I was able to turn around and shoot the bird, but, uh, you know, it's bad. Also, all these, uh, the plugs are waterproof, and uh, they will they will adjust for the uh, environmental conditions too. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I'm going to have to read about it a little bit. The the model I'm getting is the Stealth model, and uh, they actually can be programmed to meet my hearing needs, which is why I sent a copy of my hearing test uh, in with the molds that I had made for my ear. So when I get a little bit more, I'll uh, let you know more about it. But um, ESPAmerica.com. Thanks. Well, hello, guys. I had a request from one of my listeners uh, to maybe talk about how I travel with my dogs and that's something that's evolved over the years. When I first started, I would put them in airline crates in the back of my pickup truck, which was just open back there, and uh, I'd put one of those wraps around the, the crates, and I had maybe two dogs with me at the time, as I recall, and even in cold weather, you know, it'd be insulated wraps back there, and they were toasty warm. Um, through the cold and the rain. It kept them dry and I uh, kept straw in there for them. So that seemed to work pretty good. After a while, I realized that, you know, that really wasn't the best way to do it. It uh, left them not really open to the elements, but, you know, I just wasn't happy with that situation at all. So what I did was went out and bought a uh, six-hole trailer, dog trailer. It was a Jones trailer. 
and I was absolutely thrilled with that. That is just the finest dog trailer on the market to my mind. I know there's uh, people use a lot of different kinds of trailers, but that was just the Cadillac, uh, the benchmark as far as I'm concerned. And I used that for many years. One of the things that enabled me to do was take uh, friends' dogs with me so we could travel together and hunt together, and uh, that was great. And I ended up selling that trailer because some of the places I hunt, some of those two tracks I get on back in the country, um, I found it was hard to turn around. Uh, one time I remember I drove probably three miles down a two track before I found a place to turn around. Um, you got to remember some of this stuff in Idaho and and uh, out in the, uh, New Mexico and Arizona. Uh, if you get off the two track, you're going to get uh, either hip deep in snow, mud, or sand. And uh, that's a not a real good time to be stuck. So I figured out there had to be a better way. I noticed out west they use a lot of uh, what we call toppers and they would, it's, a, it's one unit with the dog boxes on the top and uh, that enables the bottom of the bed to be open and that looked like a great, great way to go. Uh, I was kind of initially turned off by the cost of those and the fact that they're not very easily removed from the truck. I need to use my truck for everyday driving when I get back home. So if I'd have had a dedicated truck to do nothing more than bird hunt with or field trial with, then that really would have been the best way for me to go. And, and I probably would have just, you know, uh, spent the money and bought that and put it on my the back of my F-250 and just let it go at that, but I had to come up with a different way, uh, some sort of different solution. So I went and bought a shell to go over the back of my F-250 and then on the inside the back I put in a truck vault which has drawers in it where you can store stuff and on top of the truck vault I put a bed slide. Um, so if you can picture it, and that's the tough thing about a podcast because I can't put a picture there to show you, but you would open up the shell from the back and there's a truck vault with drawers on it. And on top of that's a bed slide. And on top of that, I put individual kennels. Now I use the Rough Tough Kennel. I think it's called the RTK Kennel now. I think they changed the names on it, but I put Rough Tough Kennels in there. I can fit four of them easily with room for the dogs to get in and out. This shell that I bought, I made sure that I could open the side windows and reach in. Uh, and the windows also were, after I could open them up or close them, the entire length of the window. Also, when they were closed, I could open or close them to have screen, um, screened windows to get some air back there. Also, I made sure that I had a sliding window in the front to where I could get through to the truck. And that's important because for heat and air conditioning in the shell unit back there um, in the cold I put one of those radiator heaters oil filled heaters radiator heaters on the side uh, I just store it on the side next to the truck vault but uh, at night I'll just pull up to uh, wherever I'm gonna stay if it's not in the camper and I'll plug it in and I'll set it for about 50 degrees and keep those dogs warm at night
uh, during the heat when I'm traveling, typically if I travel and uh, air conditioning is going to be needed, it's going to be as I'm passing through the south. But many times up in uh, Montana and uh, places like that early in the year, I mean, it can be 95 degrees. So even though it is a, quote, dry heat, unquote, it's still 95 degrees. <laughs> so um, a lot of times I'll have to... Uh, Hook up some uh, air conditioning ducting that uh, runs through the camper, uh, the window in the back of the uh, truck, back into the shell. And uh, I actually have ducting that goes into each one of the dog uh, boxes. And so it runs from my vents up front uh, directly into the ducting, and it's split up in each dog's box gets a about a three uh, I guess let's see I think maybe about a two inch tube by the time it gets back there of uh, cold air ducted directly into their kennel so that keeps them cool and uh, I really really like that it makes me feel a whole lot better about the, keeping those dogs cool and um, of course uh, for the heat in the winter when it's cold that every calorie they're not spending staying warm is a calorie they can expend uh, in recovery and also in energy the next day. So keeping them, keeping them warmer than just a box with straw in it is important to me as well. And um, that seems to be really the, the best way that for me to transport dogs. Now I've got five Britneys and even though I can put two dogs in one crate, I don't do that. Um, I'm, I could, I imagine, but I like the dogs to have a little bit of room to stretch out. I use the intermediate kennel, the size-wise, and that, that seems to fit a Brittany just fine, gives them room to turn around, and um, they'd have, you know, they could be comfortable while they're traveling too. In addition to that, inside each kennel, I put a wet mutt mat on the bottom, which is rubber, and on top of that, I'll put another pad for the dogs. Uh, so they've got uh, double padding in there and maybe the road vibrations aren't as uh, wearing on the dog. And that's something a lot of guys don't think about. You know, you're driving down the road for uh, 1,000 or 2,000 miles on a trip uh, one way. You know, that road vibration gets to them just like it gets to us. And they're not sitting on those padded springy seats like we are inside. So. I try to take away a lot of that road vibration as much as I can, and I find those wet and wet mats work great. Um, not only do they dampen the vibration, but also if for some reason a dog gets ill, uh, throws up, or has diarrhea, they're easy to clean, and I can just pull the kennel out and wash it out and put everything back together and put them back in there. And I, I got away from the using straw inside there because uh, even though I did like it initially, you know, over a two-week trip, it gets wet uh, from the dog just getting in when they're wet, and uh, wet straw is, is just nasty. So, uh, you know, I used to change it out as often as I could, but getting getting good straw sometimes on the road is tough to do as well. So I ended up going to the wet mutt mat and, and another pad on top of that. So uh, that's pretty much what I use there. Now that i got five Britneys, uh, I'm dog poor, but that's a whole other story. But I put a... Uh, kennel in the back seat of the truck as well 
and I keep one of the dogs inside there. But in actual fact, uh, one of the dogs is always up, up front riding with me, so I could probably get by with four crates, but I always take five just in case I want all of them to be secure, um, you know, in case they're just muddy or whatever. But So now I'm driving with four in the back and uh, one in the back seat or one of them up front with me all the time on these, these long drives. Um, that leaves me room to bring my dog food along with me. And uh, what I'll do now is I put the dog food in a, a uh, ice chest, uh, like a Yeti or a, uh, something like that. Uh, also on the back seat with the dog crate and so that pretty much fills up my back but I keep the dog food in that because it keeps it not only uh, can I put a 40 pound bag of feed back in there but it keeps it dry and out of the weather and and um, that that pretty well solves that issue uh, if I need to take more than one bag with me I'll take a full bag and set it behind the passenger seat uh, on the floor uh, back there so the dogs will have I'll have plenty of their food I don't like to introduce any kind of new food to a dog and you probably shouldn't do that unless you're unless it's a semi-emergency because they may react to it uh, and might have some diarrhea so I try to take the feed that, that I'm feeding at home and take it with me as well as far as water um, I use a it's a drinker that holds about two gallons of water, one and a half, two gallons of water. It kind of sets up and won't leak. And then when, and I kind of flip it over on its side and the water comes out and they can drink that. And uh, I usually don't use local uh, water wherever I go. A lot of times out west, uh, they'll have a, some alkaline in their water and, and uh, dogs will react to that as well. So... I'll, I'll fill up my uh, drinker and take a couple of gallon jugs from the local well water I have here at the farm with me uh, when I need to fill up on the road. Uh, when I get gas, I'll run in and buy gallons of water, uh, drinking water, uh, distilled water or, uh, you know, purified water. And that's what they'll get if if they uh, of course you can't that doesn't keep them from jumping in the creek or jumping in the pond or the stock tank or or whatever but you just can't avoid that so but when I uh, give them water to drink out of my water bottles or out of uh, their drinker it's always um, some sort of purified water and that 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 helps me keep them from you know, getting any kind of diarrhea or indigestion due to the local water, too. So that's uh, pretty much how I travel with the dogs all the time. I, I take a tie-out stakes, of course, and when I stop to water them every three hours during driving, uh, I'll walk them one at a time and let them uh, do their business and give them some water if they want it. Typically, they don't want a whole lot of water while we're riding for some reason, but... Um, if they do, I've got that fresh water available for them and uh, let them go out and do their business. Each one, I'll walk each one, give them a little individual attention, some loving and some praise and and uh, let them do a little sniffing around. And it takes about 30 minutes or so to, to take care of that issue each time. And so that adds, uh, you know, on a long trip, 
you know, it may add a, an hour or two hours uh, to your trip time during the day, but that really keeps them from getting stiff and lets them uh, evacuate their their uh, their body when they're driving along and have to pee or something like that. And I heard one guy say, if I have to pee, they have to pee. But, you know, as I get older, that's not really true. Seems like I gotta pee, I gotta pee all the time, but yeah, that's probably more than you wanted to know about. But anyway, that's, uh, I try every three hours, pretty much by the clock, you know. I see it's uh, three hours is approaching and I'll start looking for a rest area or someplace I can pull off and on the side road into some farm fields or something like that and let them out and walk them and let them, let them do their business. But that uh, traveling with the dogs is, is something that a lot of people just think, oh, well, heck, I'll just put them in the back seat and let's go. But, you know, first time your dog gets into a skunk, you'll learn that's probably not a good plan. And uh, get into a skunk, they will, uh, eventually, if you travel enough and, and, and hunt the country enough, that's gonna happen. I do uh, give my dog supplements along with their, their feed. Uh, not only I give them uh, a joint supplement from uh, Elements Nutrition, um, Elements J, they get that every day. Uh, I also give them a um, microbiotic form of uh, it's ground up uh, kelp, sea kelp, with garlic in it. I think the garlic aids, uh, makes it more palatable to them. They really love that garlic. And that really helps them a lot. And also Ele Elements puts out something they used to call Element E, which is an energy powder. Uh, but they've renamed it to, uh, I think it's just, uh, Oh, gainer. That's right. They call it gainer now. G-A-I-N-E-R. And it's the same thing. So when we get out to where we're going, I add that to their food as well. And uh, they each get a scoop of that. So it takes a little while for me to get the food straight. I feed them one time a day. And it's at night. Uh, after all is said and done. Um, I did learn that I used to feed it dry wait 30 minutes and we give them some water. And that's really the best way for the dogs to digest their food. But uh, further research has shown that keeping a dog hydrated is extremely important. So I swapped over to actually feeding their food wet and uh, I put all their food in the bowl and then I, I fill it up with water. And I noticed the dogs uh, really seem to like that a lot more. Even though the, the dry food that I feed, they, they eat it up uh, right away. Uh, by my adding water to their feed, not only does it help them stay hydrated, uh, but uh, it seems to make it a lot more palatable to them. So those are a few things that I do when I travel with my dogs. I don't uh, typically have them inside with me in uh, a motel, if I'm staying in a motel. I don't worry about that at all. They stay in the back of the truck. Um, and, you know, I'll try to get the truck as close to my motel room as I can, of course, but they, uh, I'll let them, I'll feed them and uh, put them up. And then I'll come back out maybe in a half hour to an hour later and then walk them again 
and let them evacuate and uh, give them some more water if they want it and then go ahead and put them up. And then the next morning, the first thing out of the uh, out of the box, yeah, they'll get more water and uh, I'll let them pee and poop again uh, before we head out on the road. So it takes a little bit more time traveling with dogs, but if uh, you keep to that schedule, uh, usually I don't have any problems going from uh, Georgia to Montana, which is a three hard day drive. But they, uh, they get to the end and they're, they're, they're ready to go. Now when I'm traveling with my camper, the, the schedule stays the same. However, they will all be in the camper with me. Um, so that in and of itself is a little bit of a goat rope as everybody's uh, maneuvering to see who gets where on the bed. But usually uh, after a day or two, they've got it all sorted out and uh, they just come in and uh, uh, two of them get on the couch and one of them gets in the chair and two of them will get on the bed with me. And uh, I don't know how they sort it out, but they do. So that, that works out fine. So anyway, that's, that's pretty much uh, the way I travel with the dogs. Um, I do travel by myself though, because now since I don't have the, can the, uh, the dog trailer, I really can't take anybody else's dogs with me. So I tell guys if they want to hunt with me, I say, that's great. Be happy to have you, but uh, you're going to have to drive yourself and uh, I can either meet you there or we can just go in tandem if that's what you want to do. But, but um, I'm unable to really take anybody else with me. And that's the downside to not having that, that dog trailer. That thing was uh, really nice to have. But I noticed that when I'm hunting now, I don't have to worry about uh, too much, about how I'm gonna turn around on this little two track and get out of there if I have to. And uh, it also makes it a lot nicer not having to, to tow it through the, the rough stuff. So I hope that answers some of the questions about how I travel to bird hunt, which uh, I do a lot. And uh, last year I was on the road uh, about 10 weeks uh, traveling to various places to bird hunt, and that doesn't count uh, traveling to trial. So that's that's pretty much the same thing. But, oh, I was gonna say I have uh, a tie out. I've got a five dog tie out uh, that I'll go ahead and stake into the ground and wherever I get to, and and I'll just hook them up to that. And it's a chain gang, and they, uh, they've got their own spots. And uh, that way I can, uh, keep them in one spot and keep them localized. Uh, if I stay at a motel for some reason, I always like to make sure that I've got a, a piece of uh, grass around somewhere that I can water them with. And, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to stay at a mom and pop motel in a small town that's got some grass where I can put the chain gang in and just leave it there. And in most places uh, when I explain what I'm doing are, are uh, just you know very happy to, to accommodate me. But uh, speaking of motels, one thing I do like to do is when I do, I, I do like to stay at these mom and pop motels, you know, the old 50s kind and uh, that have the doors on the outside and single story kind of thing. There's still a lot of them out there and they're still reasonable, they're still clean. And of course, all I need is a comfortable bed and a hot shower. I don't even need a TV because by the time I get in and feed dogs and clean guns and charge everything up and uh, I'm about ready to pass out. I, I'll turn on the television and, uh, and end up turning it right back off. So that really doesn't interest me that much. But I really do like to stay at those small motels. Um, 
the uh, some of the places I hunt, it seems like it's just uncanny how many that places that I go that are in the oil patch, you know, either up in uh, uh, North Dakota and in Montana or down in uh, New Mexico and not so much Arizona, but a lot of places, Oklahoma and uh, Texas sometimes that uh, around an oil patch and the cost of motels uh, will double when the price of oil goes up because all those oil workers are out there and they really don't care where they stay. Uh, they'll drive the price of those motels up to $100 a night. But, uh, you know, when the bus times hit, I'll go, uh, I'll be able to stay at those motels for 35 a night. So it makes a big difference. But if you're going to go to some place that's near an oil field and a lot of oil workers, uh, be sure and call ahead and find a place to stay because you may be shocked when you get out there and find out that that little mom and pop you stayed at for 35 bucks a night is now charging 95 to 115 dollars a night and uh, god bless them that's what made america great that's capitalism but it doesn't help you at all as a bird hunter so anyway i hope this helps a little bit if you have any questions or any comments and would like to uh like to have us talk about anything else about bird hunting just uh message us or give us a call and and uh, let us know but once again just try to be the man your dog thinks you are and uh, good day and happy hunting well that's it my friends for this episode i hope you enjoyed it I am always looking for suggestions, and you can leave a message on the Anchor app, and it will come directly to me, or you can go to my blog, abirdhunterstoughts.com, and leave a message there, or you can go to Facebook, and my page is abirdhunterstoughts.com dash loose. Any one of those ways you can leave me a message and uh, I'll get it. And uh, I'll probably read some of the comments on the air later on. Got a book coming out. It's called Endless October. It'll be on Amazon. Uh, paperback will be out shortly and a Kindle edition just a little bit after that. And don't forget to try and be the man your dog, bird dog thinks you are. Happy hunting. <laughs>